You are listening to the Healing Migraines Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Caesar, and I'm helping women all over the country rediscover a migraine-free life. Today, I'm talking to Mary, who runs our awesome Facebook community, about the common question, should I take birth control for my migraines? Welcome, Mary. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Good, good. Yeah, this topic feels like such a jump to me. Like, I know women struggle with migraines with their, you know, their cycle, but I've never actually heard up until running the group and stuff, I've never actually heard women taking birth control for migraines. So this is very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a very, very common treatment approach in conventional medicine mm-hmm. to put uh, even, uh, you know, girls, young women on birth control uh, mm. when they have migraines that are unresponsive to other medication. Do they only typically do it if it's attached to their cycle or feels attached to their cycle? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I don't notice a change throughout the month, according to my cycle, they wouldn't necessarily do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. This okay. is, this is going to be done when people notice that they have worse migraines with their period. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, technically a diagnosis of menstrual migraines would be migraines that only occur with the period or ovulation. But Mm -hmm. what I see with, with my clients, most women who have chronic migraines will also have worse migraines with their period. So they, they may not, you know, they have that diagnosis of chronic migraines where they're having migraines you know, 15 or more days in the month, but then very frequently they're going to have real, real bad one with their period, mm. you know, their okay. period can be a real nightmare. Mm. Okay. I have a silly question because most of our li- listeners are women. I would, I would think, but it just makes me curious. Like there is a hormonal something going on, right? Do men also have migraines associated or linked to migraines? Do, uh, do men have hormonally linked migraines? That's the way I was trying to word it. Men do not have the monthly, uh, cycle to their hormones. So like testosterone is going to be a little bit higher in the morning. Um, we have some hormones that will fluctuate throughout the day, even for us women, but women have this monthly, you know, monthly rhythm to their estrogen and progesterone production Uh with both of those hormones spiking during the month and and dropping during the month. Um, So men, you know, their, their main hormone is going to be testosterone, but they also have estrogen, but it's not, Mm -hmm. their testosterone is not, you know, peaking or, or dropping Mm -hmm. throughout the month. There's going to be a little variation throughout the day, but it's, it's nothing like what we women experience with the estrogen and progesterone peaks and drops with our menstrual cycle. We have a much bigger cycle of hormones and how things work in our bodies. It's more linked for women than for men. Yes. And the, and the, the hormonal cycle of our menstrual cycle is Mm -hmm. much more complex 
than the regular sort of day-to-day fluctuations in our hormones. So for example, our thyroid hormones, if you were, you know, uh, every hour you were going to do a thyroid, uh, you know, a blood collection to test your thyroid hormones, they are going to vary, you know, a little bit throughout the day. They're not just going to be a steady state 24 hours a day. Uh, Our cortisol Uh, that peaks around four in the morning when our adrenals are functioning properly and then declines throughout the day. So there are hormones that have peaks, uh, you know, intentionally. Then we have other hormones that are going to have a little fluctuation throughout the day. But the menstrual cycle with the coordination between the estrogen peaking and then the progesterone peaking, the estrogen declining, it's a very, very complex cycle. That mm-hmm. men, uh, it's, it's a complex physiology that men mm-hmm. are not, are not going to experience with like their testosterone at all. I mean, we all know women's bodies are more complicated, but. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And this is why, I mean, this is one of the reasons why 50 years ago, medication was not tested on women. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why is that the physiology of women's bodies is so much more complex and it adds uh, complexity into drug testing. And mm. so that's one reason why uh, medication used to not be tested on women. Not the only reason, but one reason. And even now, you know, I, I don't think enough testing is done um, mm-hmm. on women. You can see this with the COVID vaccine, they did not specifically test that vaccine relative to um, women's menstrual cycles. And you just had Anthony Fauci recently admit um, on network news that they really didn't test it very much and that they need to do additional testing. Oh, good. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you know, oh. it, it, we, we, we are, we, we do have more complex hormonal physiology than men. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've talked a lot about medication side effects on the podcast, et cetera, but it is something for us women to, to think about when we mm-hmm. do put a medication into our body, has the, has the testing been done adequately mm-hmm. on women for this medicine? And honestly, our access to like a general person's access to the research behind things is, is hard. Like it's really hard to find out unless you know how to research that stuff. Like personally, I'm not a fan of Joe Blow in the YouTube channel that, you know, like I don't consider that research, but not all of us know how to do medical research. Right. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's really on the prescribing doctor to do that analysis, but the prescribing doctor is, is, is not going to be digging into the research and evaluating, you know, was this adequately tested, Um, Mm -hmm. on women. And, you know, frankly, it would be difficult for me to make that determination. I'm not a bench scientist. I'm not a scientist in the Mm -hmm. pharmaceutical industry to make that determination either. Right. The work that I do, I help people get off medicine. And there's so much just like, let's just trust the source. Like, you know, that's hard. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll get us back on track because I had a funny question, but um, yeah, I just wondered if there was any hormonal link for men but it's obviously not as complex and Mm -hmm. um I kind of wonder if that like 
men suffer from migraines less. It seems like oh, tremendously less. Nine times out of ten, it's a woman thing, right? I don't know. It's about eight out of ten times. Okay, that's good yeah. to hear. Like, well, not mm-hmm. good to hear, but good to understand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, for sure. And, and, you know, certain, uh, certain diseases, certain health conditions, right. They, uh, they're more prominent in women, you know, men have their, uh, health conditions that they're more predisposed to. Um, and that's because of the differences in the physiology between men and women. Interesting. So, yeah, so this is a common approach when women have really, you know, any symptoms around their period. You know, if people have, a, if women have irregular periods, if they have a lot of cramping or heavy bleeding with their periods, if they have menstrual migraines, this is going to be a fairly common prescription. Women are going to be, young girls are going to be put on birth control. So I have many clients that were put on birth control when they were teenagers, when they were in high school. And that may have been due to migraines or might have been due to irregular periods, heavy periods, cramping, things like that. Mm-hmm. So the question is, should we do this? Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what we're actually doing when we add birth control to the mix here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think we should link to the podcast that we did on menstrual migraines specifically. Okay. Because yeah. I went over some of the hormone physiology um, and impacts in that podcast. So um, for those of you that listen to that podcast, you'll recall that the main driver of problems with our period, whether that be migraines, cramping, heavy bleeding, mood swings, et cetera, et cetera. The main driver of that is the estrogen hormone. Mm -hmm. Estrogen is a wonderful hormone for us women when it's in balance. Okay. It protects our heart. We have less, we're less prone to heart disease than men. Keeps our bones, keeps our bone density. Uh, This is one of the reasons why women tend to live longer than men is the estrogen. Okay. It's Mm -hmm. a wonderful hormone when it's in balance. When estrogen is in excess, estrogen is a hormone that causes proliferation of the tissue that is sensitive to it. So can you, for those of us who need a glossary for this episode, would you maybe explain what proliferation means? Yeah, so proliferation means it makes things grow. Okay. Right. So estrogen is the hormone that makes the uterine lining grow every month, which is then shed as the period. Okay. Estrogen is the hormone that makes our breasts develop. Mm -hmm. So if we have too much estrogen on board, our uterus, which is sensitive to estrogen, our breasts, which are sensitive to estrogen, if we have too much estrogen on board, we do not want those cells to start to proliferate. Uh If we have proliferating breast cells, that's breast cancer. Right. I was just going to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. our uterus is proliferating, if the cells in the uterus are proliferating, first of all, we could have excess uterine lining generated, right? The more estrogen we have, the more uterine lining we're going to have. And then the bleeding is going to be heavier. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have cramping because the uterus has to contract to shed that lining, get that lining out every month. The uterus has to contract to do that. So if we've got a real thick lining, the uterus is going to have to contract more Then we're going to have cramping. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. If the proliferation continues, then the uterus itself can proliferate. We call that fibroids. Hmm. Right? Fibroids are little benign tumors that grow in the uterus. Benign meaning non-cancerous, right? But mm-hmm. right, we don't want to have these little tumors and they can get pretty big. Mm-hmm. They start out little and they can get pretty big. That can impact our fertility. That can cause uh, more bleeding and cramping. We can mm-hmm. have endometriosis, which is the proliferation of the uterine lining, so much so that it develops outside of the uterus. We have a little bit of uterine lining, say, growing on the colon or something. Ew, gross. Right? So this, we do not want excess estrogen in mm-hmm. our body. So every month when our ovary makes uh, makes the estrogen for the month, our liver has to detoxify the estrogen and clear the estrogen from the body. Mm-hmm. Now, estrogen, this is a hormone that is also, once it's sort of done what it's supposed to do, it's sort of like a metabolic waste material. Mm. It has to be removed. And getting estrogen out of the body is not a one and done process. Okay. It takes about 10 steps to get the estrogen out of the body. So that estrogen can accumulate and all these little estrogen metabolites can accumulate too. Okay. There are many toxins in the environment. So why did they take BPA out of plastics? Okay. Because BPA is a molecule that is very, very close in structure to estrogen. And so when we drink water out of a bottle that's lined with BPA, that little, little BPA molecules are going to get in that water. We drink that water and then we have these estrogen like molecules that are now circulating that we've got to detoxify. But before they're out, they're going to have these estrogen mimicking effects in the body. Hmm. I never really thought that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why they took it out of, all baby products because little babies were having symptoms of excess estrogen. Mm-hmm. That's why whenever you, when you buy something for a baby now, it always says BPA free. Interesting. Okay. So we have problems with our period because of the excess estrogen. This is the overwhelming reason. Okay. There can be other reasons too, but this is the main reason. Okay. This is the most likely candidate. So we have excess estrogen because our liver is not able to keep up with clearing it from the body every month. And so then again, what do we do, right? We're always going in and we're trying to manipulate the body. Mm -hmm. So you go into the doctor with a problem with your period and the doctor says, well, we'll put you on birth control. Mm -hmm. So what are we doing with the birth control? We're adding more hormones. We're adding more wood to the fire. Mm. Okay. And so, yes, if you flood the body with enough excess estrogen and progesterone, you can commandeer the period. Mm-hmm. And birth control is very effective to do that. Mm-hmm. You can commandeer the period. You can completely overwhelm the body with these external hormones, but you have not taken care of the problem. Right. Okay. Now, should you do it for migraines? Well, obviously, if anybody's been following me, I'm going to tell you that it's clearly not addressing the root cause. Right. Right. But what are some of the other problems that people run into 
So when a young woman is put on birth control at age 20, well, what happens when, uh, you know, she gets married a few years later and wants to start a family? Mm-hmm. Now we've got a big problem. Right. I've worked with many women over the years. They want to have another child, but they're on birth control for their migraines, still having chronic migraines because birth control for migraines is really not very effective. Mm. Um, birth control is very effective at commandeering the period and, you know, forcing uh, the body to generate a period if the cycles are irregular, et cetera. But it's not very effective with migraines. Mm. But people stay on it because they're afraid to get off something. Right. right. What if it was having some small effect? I can barely hang on now. I don't want to be worse. Yeah. Whatever little amount of progress they have, they don't want to give up. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you have a woman who is functionally infertile now. Mm. Right. So uh, this is a real problem for women. I, like I say, I work with a lot of women. One of the motivators for them to reach out and work with me is they want to have, you know, a baby or another baby. And you can't do that when you're on birth control. Right. Right. <laughs> Hence the name. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm. So I think, you know, again, this is, you know, uh, and, and from what I've been told over the years, when women go into their doctor and say, you know what, I really want to have, have another baby, uh, you know, the doctor is kind of has a cavalier attitude mm -hmm. many times. Well, you want migraine, you know, it's sort of like, well, that's your problem. Mm -hmm. I'm just here to help, you know, I'm just here to try to get the migraine. Migraines. Yeah. Oh, exactly. That's sad. So, um, this is why I wanted to talk about this today because it's, like I say, it's rendering a lot of women functionally infertile. Mm -hmm. And when you say functionally, it's not that they necessarily can't have babies. It's they can't function without their medicine. So they can't like, so yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, if, if you are on birth control, you are infertile due to the birth control. Right. right. Okay. Um, yeah. The assumption being that if you got off the birth control and recovered your normal physiology, you would be able to get pregnant. Right. So it's not uh, an infertility that is inherent. There's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. But it's it's a functional in, uh, infertility in that mm -hmm. you are taking birth control to control symptoms. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a pretty big side effect. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, like I say, over the years, I've worked with a lot of women that ha have been really stuck. This is, you know, talk about getting stuck between a rock and a hard place. I mean, this is a real, real dilemma for a lot yeah. of women. Well, and we know like once those heartstrings start pulling towards wanting to have a baby, like it's so gut wrenching and it's just such a hard like it's an emotional roller coaster for that woman, and you know anyone that's dealt with any shape of, you know, infertility knows that, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And you know, we have an attitude culturally that the period is uh, sort of a sort of a worthless uh, phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And so um, <laughs> I know I felt that way for many years. <laughs> But many women are encouraged to, even if they don't have symptoms with their period, many women are encouraged 
to take birth control that completely suppresses the period. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where you're not getting a period, you say you're just getting a period once every three months. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there is a purpose to our period. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we women, we should be getting a period every month. We should not be suppressing the period. protective mechanism our body makes so that we can get rid of those extra cells and like all of that. Like it's actually serving a purpose. Exactly. So a lot of women, even if they don't have symptoms, they're encouraged to do this, but then particularly if people are suffering with their period, if women are suffering with their period, it, Mm -hmm. uh, and somebody holds out, well, you know, let's just put you on birth control. You only get a period four times a year, right? It's very, very tempting for people, but, um, you know, this, this is not health supporting at all to suppress mm-hmm. our period. I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> yeah. Our period should not be a nightmare anyway. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I was a, you know, when I was a girl, middle school, I was told by my peers, right. You kind of, you know, you go to a slumber party, you, you talk about stuff. It was just assumed that when you have your period, it's going to be a nightmare. Right. Mm. And it shouldn't be right. Like uh, you, you always uh, tell me that you, you find it funny when I say that we shouldn't feel our digestion, you know, certainly we're going to know that we have a period, but we should not have cramping and we shouldn't have heavy bleeding and, and we shouldn't have mood swings. These things I was told when I was a girl were normal to have. with yeah. period. It's not normal. That's not normal. Yeah. I definitely suffered through it as a teenager. And I, like Grace was saying, I didn't find my period to be all that useful in my life until I started having children. But mm-hmm. up until that point, it was literally a living hell. It was yeah. not a fun thing to experience. Yeah. And we've been told that this is normal and it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is that it doesn't help women to suppress their periods and to mess with their hormones to deal with migraines. And it's actually not only not helpful, but it can be detrimental. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. We women, we are supposed to have a period and it is normal. It should not be painful or, or an ordeal for us. Right. Mm -hmm. Obviously we're going to have to deal with it. But it should not be something that derails us every month. That's hard to, like, honest to goodness, I'm being honest here. Like, that's hard to hear. I don't suffer from periods anymore. But, I mean, I would be in my bed for three days every month when I was a kid, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, it's really sad that we are culturally, I guess, uh, given that expectation. Well, you just got to suffer for three months or three days a month or a week a month or... Mm -hmm. Can you imagine what would happen to the world if everybody just stopped functioning for three days, like or a week or whatever? Like, that's just right. not realistic. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm. So, so yeah, we women, we don't have to live this way. I am glad to hear that. <laughs> so, I mean, I know, I know, I kind of feel like I know where you're headed. If we take care of the underlying root of the cause of the migraines, we don't need to mess with our hormones to deal with them, right? Exactly, exactly. And when we have symptoms with our period, it comes down to 
the liver's inability to detoxify that estrogen. That's going to be, like I said, there can be some other, some other things going on, but overwhelmingly it's going to come down to sort of a backup in the detoxification of estrogen by the liver. It's so interesting to me that you bring up the liver because every time we talk about the body, the brain, the stomach, the liver, the uterus, like all of it, it's almost like we have them in our heads as this one entity in our body that has no effect on anything else. Right. They're so interconnected. And I, I don't know, personally, I never really even thought about the connection between my liver and my uterus. You know, they're not even really neighbors. Like, <laughs> do they even know each other? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, this, um, you know, this is very centered in that second principle that I talk about that the, that I, uh, for those of you that have listened to the podcast, I talk about the three principles or the three things that we have to do to maintain our health and to restore our health. And the second principle is clearing metabolic waste material and toxins Mm -hmm. from the body. And so estrogen is one of those metabolic byproducts. Mm -hmm. So when we have problems with our period, we know that we have a blocker in that second principle. We're also going to have blockers in the first principle and the third principle, but we Mm -hmm. know for certain that we have a blocker within that second principle if we have problems with our period. When I think in my head, I always just, man, I feel like I'm just really revealing how ignorant I am sometimes on this show. (laughs) Like, newsflash, I don't know everything, but (laughs) I guess I just always thought all of the hormones were flushed out of the body through the period. You know, like it just went along with the... the Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Menses, you know, like... Just mm-hmm. never occurred to me that they went through the, anyway, I'm going to stop before I sound even sillier, but. <laughs> no, no, I think it's a great point. I'm, I'm sure that's a conception that a lot of people have had, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't think about where do our hormones go? Right. Don't think about that. I would have thought they just floated around forever or magically disappeared or they went out with your period or. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah no. think about, oh, those go hang out in the liver and the liver takes care of them. Like not I know. Anyway. Everything has to be uh, eliminated from the body, mm-hmm. right? Because every month the the ovary that's in charge of that period is generating more estrogen every month. I mean, now that you say it like that, it makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, what happened to the estrogen from last month, right? Yeah, we never think about that. I feel pretty silly right now. Yeah. No, anyway. no, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. I'm glad you mentioned it, right? This is the thing. We we don't think about these things. When we think that our bodies are just going to naturally do their thing. And like you were saying in the last episode about the side effects, it's almost like it, it's that adaption that you're, you were talking about. Like if our bodies are reacting to things in our environment and they react to certain things, like we don't realize that that process is happening we just expect our bodies to do their thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know right right well very good mary what do you think do you think we covered it i do i think it's a very fascinating topic and i hope it helps everybody to see why you know changing up your period is not going to help in the long run for sure right right well very good thanks again mary 
You're welcome. We'll see you soon. Well, wonderful. And thanks everybody for listening. And before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. Um, And please, if you have somebody in your life who's suffering from chronic migraines, please share this information with them. Who could benefit from this information that we talked about today? Please share that on your social media or share it with your friends and loved ones who've been praying for this information. And if you want to stay connected with Mary and I, please join our free Facebook group. We have nearly 12,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine-free life naturally. You can go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND in the search box on Facebook, or you can go to HealingMigrainesNaturally.com and we will redirect you there. 